Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Infrastructure. America's movie. The massive social bending program. On May 19th, we announced a major reopening of New York State. People in the water drowning. This migrant surge. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News of Views, Tom and Benny, Clark at the Dials. Lots to talk about, as always, on this Monday as uh, the rain showers are coming through. I, it looks like it's going to be all uh, out of here uh, in the next hour or so. So uh, after that, uh, we need the rain. So enjoy a little shower. There you go. Um, the uh, formerly Big Al Sharpton <laughs> was in Elizabeth City today. And he was there to do the eulogy for Andrew Brown Jr. The first three minutes of the eulogy was all about how wonderful Al Sharpton is. Here's Big Al. I come to Elizabeth City today to ask each one of you, who are you? Are you on the side of justice? I don't know who you are, but I know who I am. That's why I got up in New York early this morning, because if nobody was coming to Elizabeth City to stand up with Khalil and Gerard. I had to come because of who I am. I'm a minister called by God to talk about the signs of the times. Yes, sir. (laughs) The signs of the times. The signs of the times are uh, for Big Al. Cut me a check. (laughs) Yeah, I guarantee that he and... uh... I guess Wee Willie Barber was there. Right? Wee Willie Barber was there. Maybe that explains the food shortage they're talking about in eastern North Carolina. <laughs> Wee Willie Barber's been in town. So he knows who he is. Well, so do we. You're a race baiter. Look, he's a, he came out. The News and Observer, of course, covered it all. And uh, he, he said, look, I'm going to be back again and again. And he will be as long as they keep cutting them checks. I would love to see his tax return. Um, well, Has he ever ever paid up? (laughs) I don't think he ever uh, paid up on the IRS. But he gets gets the uh, wink and the nod from the IRS. (laughs) So, look, somebody died. This was a loved one of someone. And, uh, you know, even though he was not the ideal citizen, he deserves to be remembered as his family wants to remember him. But let's not, I mean, if you want to have a eulogy, uh, have a eulogy. But as you can imagine, if you listen to the entire diatribe, I th- the funeral went two hours. And, uh, you know, it got into, as you can imagine, liberal politics. At a funeral. At a memorial At a funeral. service. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, our own uh, former president, Barack Obama, did that at a funeral. I don't even remember whose it was uh, the one, uh The one up in uh, Minnesota. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name of the guy either. Just just went completely political. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that, At a memorial that went, service. And that was in like a convention center or yeah. something. I mean, I that, yeah. that shows you really care for the family at a memorial service. A little odd. They uh, had uh, the funeral procession, uh, procession started at the funeral home in a horse-drawn carriage. And they went as far as the local Popeye's. The chicken place. Stop there and transfer. 
I'm sorry. This just hits me as funny. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Just a little odd, maybe. It's maybe, just a little odd. Yeah, maybe like Popeyes. I I, it, it could be. Maybe maybe he that was his favorite restaurant. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was because Wee Willie Barber was there. I don't know. But uh, they transferred the casket from the horse-drawn carriage to the hearse for the rest of the trip. So uh, Popeye's got a little. Right. John Lewis's funeral. Uh, uh, yeah, but there it... was one up in Minnesota years ago. And I think, it, was it, uh, I can't remember who it was now, but that turned into just a, just, a political yeah. mess. Yeah. yeah. I think it's disrespectful to go, uh, do a memorial service to a not. I mean, I'm assuming that uh, Mr. Brown in Elizabeth City was a non-political person. I never know that he was elected to political office and inject politics. Right. I mean, he was there to honor his legacy as what, you know, he was said to do, but... Uh, you know what's nah. interesting about the, some of the comments that Al Sharpton made? He actually came out and says, now I know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, he said, but now I know you wish you had a more ideal citizen that we could be talking about, because that would have fit the narrative so much better as far as attacking police. Wow. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm connecting the dots and I'm paraphrasing, but but he acknowledged that Andrew Brown was not the ideal citizen. I mean, he was a drug dealer. Allegedly. Of course, actually, he's been convicted of that. Yeah. yeah so. I mean, he's got a rap sheet pretty long. Hmm. Is, uh, Clark, you're, you're straining my brain. <laughs> I, it was it was it was years ago in Minnesota, and we've gone on to the next story. one issue at a time. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of the Elizabeth City issue, the News and Observer has written a story. They they there's a publication out there called the Root, and uh, they took this publication from the Root, and they're running with it. Basically, they're trying to vilify Judge Jeff Foster. Mm-hmm. That was a horrible article. Did you read it? Yeah. It, uh, and, and, and look, the best they can come up with is nothing. The article says the judge who ruled earlier this week to keep body camera footage private in the Elizabeth City shooting case has a history of pro-law enforcement and anti-media posts on his Facebook page. Well, so what? <laughs> and, I mean, the, the, the things they cite are nothing. They're trying to vilify him. Because on September 11th, 2020, Judge Jeff Foster posted a temporary profile picture of a thin blue line over a sheriff's badge from Henderson County. That day, Henderson County Sheriff's Deputy Ryan Hendricks was shot and killed by a suspect who also died. So Judge Foster was honoring a deputy who lost his life in the line of duty. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, and and as long as... uh judge foster has been in in his business uh he, he may have even known that officer uh that's he, true yeah he knows he quite, of, quite a few people in law enforcement. well and he made a comment about as you get to know law enforcement and he didn't speci- specify that he knew this gentleman uh this this is a deputy but he did note that as you are in the role he is in you do have a lot of interaction with uh, law enforcement in May of 2020, Foster posted a link to a news story about a Raleigh police officer being shot during a robbery attempt. And that's when he said, you know, when you, you get to know these guys, it, uh, 
It, it, it hits close to home, I'm paraphrasing. In April 2020, Foster posted a meme of a photo of media members asking probing questions about Pearl Harbor. To, it was a, you know, a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, asking probing questions to Franklin Roosevelt, FDR. The meme is captured. FBR had to deal with the press corps like President Trump's. Foster wrote under the meme, I'm just going to leave this here. Those were the three examples that the News and Observer and The Root, that's the best they could come up with to vilify Judge Foster. And frankly, this article in the NNO is Exhibit A for what Judge Foster's comment, I'm constantly amazed about how moronic the press is. (laughs) He's absolutely right. I mean, how dare they try to vilify? They don't know Jeff Foster. I mean, you and I both have personal interactions with Jeff Foster. He is a great and honorable man. And shame on him for trying to even go there. Well, the News Observer, you know, since I quit freezing fish years ago, (laughs) that's about the only thing it's good for was fish wrap. And, uh, you know, I I do look at the online edition, but... Well, by the way, for any of our, most, and I know, why, why do we even quote the News and Observer? They do have statewide news stories that we do need to find out what the other side's thinking about it, but they, they do cover stories that come out. And um, that is why we do go to the News and Observer and, and check it, it out. And it really is a good source for extreme left leaning coverage of the oh, news. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just like that Jeff Foster yeah. story. The Daily Wire. A national publication is covering a story out of UNC Chapel Hill where a right-leaning student newspaper, or student publication, I should say. It's more of a monthly magazine. Um, it's called the Carolina Review. It had its website hacked and its distribution box vandalized with derogatory comments. This was uh, about a week ago. On April 25th, the Carolina Review had its newly installed magazine distribution box vandalized. These are nice-looking boxes. I'm sure they cost a couple hundred bucks a box. I mean, these are these are the high-end kind of box, you know, that you'd get a newspaper out of. And uh, they had their – and this publication has been around since 1993. Someone went on and uh, hacked their website – and destroyed years worth of uh, articles that they had. Whether or not they had them backed up somewhere, I don't know. Um, a few hours after students noticed the vandalism, a hacker got into the publication's website, destroyed 15 years of online content. According to photos obtained by the Washington Free Beacon, the masthead portion of the website was deleted and replaced with a derogatory comment about the publication's editor-in-chief. I, it, it's... The worst of the worst that you could call somebody, that's what thats what they wrote on the uh, masthead. The editor-in-chief's guy named Bryson Pixtelli, according to the Free Beacon, among the deleted articles, was one that uncovered, I, I didn't even realize this, they had an article that uncovered that UNC professor Dwayne Dixon had taken part in the infamous 2017 Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville as a member of an an Antifa-style militant operation, organization. Pistelli told the Daily Wire that UNC has created a culture wherein right-leaning students are harassed for their views. Quote, Carolina Review is the only publication on campus 
openly willing to break the cultural left orthodoxy of the university student body, and some people uh, can be unhinged, he said. We've had writers never submit again or resign because of intense personal pressure from classmates, roommates, even sorority sisters. According to the university, police are working to find the vandal and the hacker. UNC condemned the attacks on a Twitter statement. Uh, the chancellor there echoed the condemnation. Uh, despite the setbacks, Pixtelli said that the publication is growing exponentially. New writers are applying all the time. I think regular people are starting to get fed up with the insanity of the woke culture. We'll keep speaking the truth to power no matter how much you try to intimidate us. Isn't this interesting that this comes from those who are constantly lecturing the right that we need to be more tolerant? <laughs> yeah, they're the most intolerant yeah. section of the people they are. And perhaps we underestimated Nicole Hannah-Jones' quick influence on the School of Journalism at UNC Chapel Hill. Perhaps. I'm just saying perhaps. <laughs> Uh, I, well, I don't think they're getting more conservative because of her, but um, but but it's true. I mean, I I own a. I mentioned this before. I, I've got a rental property in Chapel Hill, just literally a bicycle's ride from uh, from the campus, and uh, I can tell you that that is a whole different world. Uh, it's. I mean, was it Jesse Helms said? Put up a. We don't need a, a state zoo in Ashboro, because all we got to do is put a fence up around Chapel Hill. And how many decades ago did that comment come out? I remember hearing that as a kid, so that was a long time ago. Uh, uh, it's it's worse now than it was then. Yeah, well, the last time I went to Chapel Hill, actually, the last time I went to Chapel Hill was to hear David Walker speak. Mm -hmm. And um, I so I went through campus, and I was like, this place just keeps getting worse and worse, yeah. and, that, and that's been 10-plus years ago probably. Which is sad because it's another example of how progressives really can't create anything for themselves. They've got to take something that is good and try to claim it for themselves, take it over, and ultimately destroy it. Well, I've known I've known recent UNC students and recent UNC graduates that, that said that, that are, you know, from conservative families and have pretty middle-of-the-road views. And they said, you know, they just have to keep their mouth shut and just put their blinders on and get through school. i tell you what, if your kid's thinking about going to Chapel Hill, and there's a couple of other colleges, universities that I'd also put in this category, but Chapel Hill in particular, you better make sure they are prepared, that they know their stuff. I, I've known you know several young people who've gone to chapel hill in recent years and they go in with a, a pretty conservative christian conservative ideology and uh they come out uh, with a whole new whole new ideology I mean, if you don't think they come home for christmas and they think their parents are nuts oh yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> um speaking of the canceled culture I am not into the NFL. I mean, I've just basically written it off, along with, well, the NBA I've written off decades ago, the NFL over the last couple of years. But there was, I think this guy was the second pick in the draft, a guy named Zach Wilson. He played for uh, Brigham Young University. He was uh, drafted by uh, the Jets. 
And uh, I guess the Jets were pretty impressed. He played three seasons, completed 247 passes on 336 attempts, a pretty good percentage for 3,692 yards, 33 touchdowns, just three. That's, that's impressive. 33 touchdowns with just three interceptions. I mean, I, I, I don't know anything about this guy, but that's, that's, good. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, yeah, he was the second overall pick in the NFL draft. The only problem with this guy is, heaven forbid, he's a conservative who liked it didn't even he didn't even write these tweets. He merely liked tweets supporting Donald Trump. That's all he did. And the 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 left, the woke culture is going after him big time. Uh, New York Jets draft pick Zach Wilson liked a pro-Trump tweet saying America is gone forever if Trump loses in 2020. In a sick twist, the Twitter account also went after Wilson's mother because she follows the accounts of several prominent conservatives and Republican legislators, including Representative Madison uh, Cawthorn from North Carolina, uh, the First Lady, Candace Owens. Uh, This is sick. But here's it, it, it is sick, it is nasty, it is wrong. But if you're a conservative, just get used to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've said for years, know who you are, be confident in you who you are. And I, I know it's it's you know it, it's it's hard to get picked on. It's it's hard to have people roll their eyes at you. And I get that. You know, people know who I am. They know who I what I say on the radio. They roll their eyes just like. Where is a badge of courage? Where's the badge of honor that um, they're, they're going to come after you? But get used to it. They're going to call you a racist. Mm-hmm. They're going to call you a homophobe. They're going to call you a xenophobe. Know your stuff and believe in your stuff. Get your, get your own act together and, and prepare for it. Consider it a badge of honor. Well, this is a prime example of the left and the woke culture you know, saying, hey, Colin Kaepernick should— be able to say what he wants to say, <laughs> yeah, and have his own opinions, yeah. unless we disagree with him. Yeah. You know, yeah. Then that's where freedom of speech ends. Great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Compare Colin Kaepernick to Zach Wilson. And by the way, I think Zach Wilson sounds like he's a much better quarterback. Stay with us. Much more to come. We'll be right back. Join the show, 252-561-TALK. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Paul Wellstone. Our producer Clark found that force. Paul Wellstone, back in uh, 2002, died in a a plane crash, and uh, it was at his funeral in the Civic Center up in Minneapolis that uh, turned into an embarrassing political rally. Talking about that earlier. Uh, taking a look at your weather forecast, it is uh, pouring outside of our studios right now, but uh, it is actually going to disappear over the next uh, probably 30 minutes or so here in Greenville. The rest of the state, depending on where you are, as it goes from the southwest to the northeast, uh, you're going you're gonna to get some rain, but it's uh, going to be coming to an end shortly. Uh, tonight, a chance of lingering showers in some areas, a low around 69. Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high near 92. Tomorrow night, again, a slight chance of showers, a low of 72. Wednesday, again, another chance of showers. The only thing I can say that's good about all this is we need the rain. 561-8255. Josh from Bass on the line. Hey, Josh. How are you, sir? Hey, Josh. I'm doing good. Hey, Tom. Hey, 
Clark. Let's uh, let's go ahead and assess the fact that I am the squeaky wheel. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to set the record straight. If uh, if that young gentleman playing football was no good at his job, the left would have nothing to say about him. Uh, they had a lot to say to help Colin Kaepernick because he needed it. They came after uh, Trump. They came after Rush. Uh, and they're coming after this kid. And I'll tell you what, he's good at his job. And there are more people that realize he could go far in the NFL if they don't stop him now. And there are young kids that would listen to what he has to say. Yeah, I, uh, I I think the reason why they're going after him is, yeah, he will be a high-profile individual, and he is a conservative, and they want him. I don't know if they want to – I don't think they want to get him out of the NFL. I just think they want to shut him up. I think that they, the, the woke culture wants you to get in line. They don't necessarily want him to change, but they want to shut him up. And, and who drafted him? New York Jets. Okay. People in New York think that everyone should think like them. So it's, you know, that's just no. that's that New York market. Uh, they pay a lot of attention to the big markets. And but, you know, it's, it, it is interesting because the, the number of losers on the left that seem to exceed, especially in media. I mean, the, the yokel, I mean, for example, A, Exhibit A, Al Sharpton. Now, is he still on MSNBC? But the fact that he is was on there at all, I think I guess he's on there once a week now. Mm-hmm. But for a while, they actually gave him a nightly, one-hour television broadcast, or, you know, cable cast on on MSNBC. If that's not proof that everyone <laughs> in America has an opportunity, I, I don't know what is. I mean, really. Good points, Josh. Thanks for the call. Uh, big win. For uh, Republicans over the weekend. What, in Texas? Yeah, down in Texas, that Mm -hmm. special election. Trying to find the article here. Yeah, the special election in Texas, the 6th Congressional District. Uh, You know, that's a bellwether election that says to Joe Biden, you're you're toast. Assuming we'll have a fair election in two years. And again, I realize November of 2024 is... Or, or of 2022 is a long, long way away. 2024 is even further. But uh, there was a bunch of people running in this, and the woman who was the um, wife of the gentleman who died of COVID has now, she, she got the most votes, Susan Wright, by a long shot. Uh, there was another, her husband was uh, Ron Wright, who died of uh, the COVID right after he won the election, before he was even inaugurated. Uh, came in second by another Republican, Jake Elizy, and um, those those are the two that won. No Democrat got enough votes to um, succeed and go into the uh, final special election. But uh, big win for uh, is that area Dallas Fort Worth suburb or I think it is. I think uh, it seems the like sixth it is. congressional district. Uh, I don't see a map here, but I believe it is. Yeah, check that out. Uh, also. In Republican, this might actually be a bigger deal in terms of how people. And I granted both these elections are down in Texas, although Texas is becoming more purple. But there was another election outside of Dallas, yeah. and Republicans swept this election, taking over the school board as voters rebelled against a proposal to instate critical race theory 
in school curriculum. On one side, progressives argued that curriculum and disciplinary changes were needed to make all children feel safe and welcome in Carroll, a mostly white but quickly diversifying school district, NBC reported. On the other, conservatives in Southlake rejected the school diversity plan as an effort to indoctrinate students with far-left ideology that, according to some, would institutionalize discrimination against white children and those with conservative Christian values. Republicans blew out Democrats 70% to 30%. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's called a shellacking. That 6th district in Texas is uh, southwest of Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay. So it's, it's a suburb. Yeah. Yep. And granted, I, I understand that Texas is still a pretty conservative place. I mean, you know, people that go there, are, I think, walk away just saying, wow, I can see why people move to Texas. I mean, they're friendly. They're conservative. Um, they openly talk about, you know, conservative values. So this isn't uh, – and, and they ended up shutting down this, um, you know, critical race theory. But I mean, anybody with just a lick of sense – if, if, if you just, I mean, here's the thing. People hear the term critical race theory and they, just, they immediately think, oh, we want to get rid of bigotry. Oh, yeah, I want to get mm-hmm. rid of bigotry. But that's not what this is about. This is about Marxism. This is about getting rid of the family unit. This is about getting rid of Christian values. This is about vilifying a race of people, Caucasians, specifically white males, just getting rid of them because we got to have somebody to blame. They're, they've been the oppressors, they say, and so we need to oppress them. Yeah, we need to um, we need to get a get this this the Bob Woodson Center's come up with the 1776 Unites Project, which kind of counters the critical race theory, and they're trying to you know get this right. into the education system. And stuff. Which which Trump was promoting big time. Right. Biden got in there and basically shut it down. Oh, they just they just wiped that clean from. Um, from the White House records and just got rid of it. But yeah. the 1776 project um, was, you know, was a project to kind of counter that. And that's the first thing Biden did. I mean, first couple of days in office, he got rid of it. Um, it is an interesting time for rhinos. And Mitt Romney over the weekend found out that being a rhino in a conservative area is not necessarily a lot of fun. PJ Media is really reporting on the story of two senators. Mitt Romney got up and was continuously booed by Republican delegates at the Utah State Convention over his vote to impeach Donald Trump. And there was some audio of this. The audio I found was was so rough that I I decided not to play it just because you could hardly hear what um, Romney was saying. But uh, he gets up. He's being booed. He was drowned out by the booze. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the Salt Lake Tribune reported that um, his response, a little weak. So he's being booed, uh, and, and he's being you know, heckled, quite frankly, along with the boos. People are shouting out things. Romney's, the best he could come up with is, aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> aren't you embarrassment? <laughs> he goes on to say, I'm a man who says what he means, and you know I was not a fan of our last president's character issues. Said Romney, his delegates attempted to shut him down. Accusations that Romney was a traitor or communist flew from the crowd like so many poison darts. Romney tried to uh, remind the crowd that he's been a lifelong Republican. Yeah, he's been a lifelong Republican that was liberal enough to get elected as the governor of Massachusetts. Massachusetts, Yeah. 
Then he picks up and moves, after he doesn't win a presidential race, picks up his family and moves to Utah so that he can go back into politics as the U.S. senator from a heavily Mormon state. And uh, quite frankly, Mitt, um, you were a thorn in everyone's conservative side because they looked at you and said, well, Obamacare must be pretty good because Mitt Romney passed the same thing up in Massachusetts. And we had to defend that when you were running for president. He said, I'm a man who says what he means. And, you know, I was not a, fr- a fan of our last president. Um, he went on to say um, that. And by the way, my daddy was the governor of Michigan. <laughs> it's like that's the best you can come up with, Mitt. Uh, on the other hand, Mike Lee got up and the crowd went nuts with applause. Mm-hmm. Well, Romney, to me, lost all credibility say, saying that about Donald Trump because <laughs> he was he was okay with Donald Trump right up to the point where Donald Trump did not select him for Secretary of State. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so that told me he didn't. He's not a principled guy. I mean, I think he's a good moral guy. I mean. If he didn't have, if he had anything bad in his background other than giving a kid a wedgie when he ran for president, the Democrats would have been all all over him. But I think he was a good moral guy. But he he just personally could not get over the fact that Donald Trump embarrassed him by yeah. inviting him to dinner and then didn't offer him the Secretary of State position. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, I think you're right. And I I I I don't know I don't know the inner thoughts of Mitt Romney, but he certainly has the appearance of an, a moral guy. And I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying I don't know. I don't know his heart. Uh, Liz Cheney is also getting some uh, pushback. Uh, Liz, along with Mitt, was uh, pro Ellis impeach Trump. Uh, second time around, she was all for it. Of course, she's in the House. Mitt's in the Senate. But um, according to Axios, Jonathan Swain and company has um, come out with a story. And I'm not saying this is the end-all, be-all, but uh, scoop GOP leaders threatened Cheney's ouster. And uh, sounds like Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise are not big fans of Liz Cheney. Of course, Liz Cheney's talking about running for the presidency in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> is that an editorial comment that last no, she better she better uh change keep, party, keep her job change, or change party, parties change parties maybe she's uh, no, she's done she's done in the republican party well, she did survive the uh vote to oust her from leadership uh secret ballot she she maintained her position by a vote of 145 to 61 but 61 is still a pretty good chunk yeah of people that say, uh, questioning, you know, are, 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 are you who we need? Because right those now? positions normally are not close votes, really. Oh, yeah. You know, For the well, leadership position? Because, you know, the, the true leaders, <laughs> I mean. They have you in line. They, 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 whip, yeah. they whip them in line yeah. and say, yeah. you know, The hey, majority whip is called a whip for a reason. Yeah, you remember, <laughs> you remember that uh, potential money in your district? Uh, ain't going to happen. Yeah, there's a little shortfall, and you're, you got the short end of the stick. Hey, we're going to take another time out. Stay with us. Tim Scott continues to make news. We'll have that and more. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, the big breaking news of the moment of the hour. Bill Gates, the former CEO of Microsoft and one of the richest men in the world, said in a tweet on Monday that he and his wife of 27 years, Melinda Gates, are getting a divorce. 
quote, after a great deal of thought and a lot of work on our relationship, we have made the decision to end our marriage. A statement from the two said, over the last 27 years, we have raised three incredible children and built a foundation that works all over the world to enable all people to lead healthy, productive lives. Um, we continue to share the belief in a mission that will continue our work together at the foundation. <laughs> this is this is <laughs> this is interesting. And Benny had a comment on this next statement. We ask for space and privacy for our family as we begin to navigate this new life. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I said yeah, this is from the guy that wants to be in, uh, in control of every yeah. aspect of your life. Yeah, he wants well, privacy. Isn't that special? Yeah. But one thing the article doesn't mention that I know is absolute fact. Somewhere in a suburb in Seattle right now, an attorney just bought a new car. (laughs) (laughs) He might have bought a new house. (laughs) It did not mention that, but I guarantee you that happened. Somebody got an Italian sports car this afternoon. And what did I say, $27 billion? Is that what it is? No, it's 27 years. How much money do they have? He's he's 100 plus billion. 100 plus billion. Yeah, 115, 20 maybe last time I saw. Okay. Yeah, real money. Yeah. Hey, talking about real money. Billion here, billion there, talking about real money. Town Hall's reporting the effectiveness of Tim Scott's GOP response to President Biden's speech last week has been made clear by the volume of left-wing vitriol. It is provoked, as we mentioned in our post last week. The Town Hall goes on to say a nasty slur trended on Twitter in the hours following Scott's address, and multiple white celebrities took it up upon themselves to lecture Scott for not thinking the way he's supposed to as a black man. Two of these celebrities were, of course, The View's Joy Behart. There's a depth of knowledge. And uh, Jimmy Kimmel. You know what's interesting about this? Both Jimmy Kimmel and Joy Behar both have worn blackface. Yep. Mm-hmm. Look, and, and, and it's always and, liberals that do that kind yeah, of thing. And not, and yeah, um, um, what's his name? Up in uh, uh, Ralphie Boy, up in uh, Virginia. Yeah, Governor Northam. Northam, or, yeah. yeah. Ralphie Boy Northam. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing, Mr. Lib. And nothing has happened to them. But Megan Kelly, when she first went to work for NBC, you know, she's on there for what, two days? And she made, it was right around Halloween, and I think she made some comment related to. Oh, yeah. Some kid wearing blackface in mm-hmm. Halloween. And they kicked her off. Yeah, she was done. It ruined her career. Yeah, NBC. on NBC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for just for just defending some kid that might wear blackface. <laughs> she get kicked off. Behar, Kimmel, and Northrum dress up in blackface. That's okay. I, you know, I still think Behar's, she's got to have pictures or something of somebody in the network. Oh. I, I don't know how oh. she has her job. She's horrible. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 just to hear her talk. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what she says, just her voice. Yeah, that voice could, um, let's just say, ruin the mood, maybe. If <laughs> I, I don't think, if you're around her, I don't think you ever get in the mood. Um, oh, my. Anyway, it has gone beyond Behar. It has gone beyond Jimmy Kimmel. Now a Democrat official in Texas is under fire for deploying a slur against Scott, suggesting he's black on the outside but white on the inside. An incredibly racist statement. And uh, this is what he said. This, is, this bigot is very white. He said, uh, or the, the description of what he said, a, a Texas Democrat official 
is facing calls to step down from his role and after he called Tim Scott a racial slur. I had, quote, here's the quote, I had hoped that Scott might show some common sense, but it seems clear he's little more than an Oreo with no real principles. Lamar County Democrat Chair Gary O'Connor uh, wrote in a now-deleted Facebook post. Uh, there's all kinds of calls for him to uh, resign, as you can imagine. Well, that pro- that's probably really the way the guy felt but uh he was probably drinking when he did that tweet but he probably really feels that way he's a white liberal democrat right well yeah he's a Mm -hmm. white liberal democrat and Mm -hmm. they again have a tendency to get away with it writing at the national review kevin williamson blasts uh, leftist racism directed at minorities who declined to conform to democrats pre-assigned identity politics role the democrats maintain a party of organized hatreds They do not have a philosophy. They have an enemies list, and they harbor no hatred as intense as the one they nurse for Republicans who are not white men, which is why Senator Scott has been dismissed as a man who, quote, only darkened the upper chamber's complexion, as one Washington Post columnist said. I mean, he's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have a, a, a list of people they hate, and the list is full, full. I mean, it's, it's right now, it is perfectly acceptable to vilify, curse, say, slander, whatever you want to do to a conservative white male. But, and I've said it for a long time, and I, you know. And apparently this, a conservative black male as well. Well, yeah. 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 But, the, but the hatred for them is even more intense because mm-hmm. how dare they get off the plantation? Yep. Don't you dare... Mr. Black Man, Mr. Black Tim Scott, Mr. Black Senator Tim Scott, you're black. you got to stay on the plantation. Don't you dare try to get off the plantation. And if you do, we're coming after you. That's not Tom's opinion. He's playing a white liberal right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I I love Tim Scott. Thank you for clarifying that. I love Tim Scott. But here you go. This guy, you're saying these things about Tim Scott. He doesn't know Tim Scott's heart. He doesn't know Tim Scott. No. You know, and and to say that... I mean, this guy, he, sh- he should, every left and right should be going after someone like that. But it just doesn't happen. Well. Because he's a Democrat. NPR had the Washington Post uh, column. Actually, he, this guy's the Washington Post fact checker. That shows, this, this is going to show you how you cannot trust the Washington Post, quote, fact checker. They're the ones that are supposed to be totally unbiased, and we'll, we'll find the truth for you. <laughs> the guy's name is Glenn Kessler. He goes after Tim Scott. Remember in, in Tim Scott's speech from last week, his rebuttal to, to President uh, Biden, he mentioned that there was a national newspaper that suggested that my family's poverty was actually privileged because a relative owned land generations before my time, Scott said, adding in the aftermath of the controversy that he again had been maligned as Uncle Tim by progressives and liberals. So this guy, this fact checker, Glenn Kessler, decided he was going to go out and check out this land that his ancestors owned. It turned out, uh, according to Kessler, that uh, Scott's great-great-grandfather, I think it was two greats, owned um, acreage, 900 acres in South Carolina in the county surrounding uh, I think it's Aiken County, is that right, uh, mm-hmm. outside of Charleston? Mm-hmm. And uh, his name was Artist Ware. 
He was, yeah, he was the great, great grandfather. So what is that? Three generations back. I mean, it was, it was Scott, his father, his grandfather. It was four generations back. Mm-hmm. His great, great grandfather. How many years ago would that be? Be, uh, late Almost, 18, probably late 1800s. But yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, might, maybe even further than that. I mean, yeah, what generation is what, 40 years? Mm-hmm. My, my three great grandfather was uh, killed in the Civil War, so. Yeah. 1863. So, but they go, and, and he acknowledged it. He acknowledged his family owned this land. But uh, he's going to go after Scott on that. <laughs> that, that he uh, he said, yeah, I wouldn't check the land records, and he, you know he, he acknowledged that you know it was a little fuzzy back then, but uh, yeah, therefore Tim Scott, you know what he said, this guy Kessler actually, what he says a little questionable, you know it sound it's, his his narrative in his rebuttal speech sounded a little sketchy, so I need to go after him. Uh, look, and by the way, how much was the swamp land outside of Charleston, South Carolina, back in the 1860s? There's actually some good farmland outside of Charleston, but, uh, you know. I, I, we don't know where this farmland was. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it might have been, but. But who in the heck is he to question yeah. if someone or and their family and their generations has experienced poverty and, and racism well, and, and, and things And again, such you, know, you talk about 160 years ago, 100, 160 years ago, and, and the, he's questioning Tim Scott's narrative because Tim Scott said, I, I was raised in poverty by a single mom. And we had to go live with my grandparents. And the guy is questioning that narrative because his great-great-grandfather owned land. (laughs) Again, the liberal media stops at nothing to vilify someone who dares to get off the plantation. Unbelievable. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, wrapping things up here for a rainy Monday. The um, the COVID thing's not going away, and the liberals want to try to extend it as far as they can. The New York Times came out with a story today talking about, well, you know, now herd immunity is just an impossible thing. We, we're not going to accomplish it. And it was interesting because a year ago they said, well, you know, 60% of vaccination or immunization through having COVID would be herd immunity. Then it's gone up to 70%. Now even Fauci is talking about 80, 85%. You know, herd immunity is just us able to control COVID, but now that's eh, not good enough. They're going to keep pushing it. In Washington, D.C., however, Mayor Muriel Bowser has the antidote for COVID. She has now put out an edict that at weddings this spring, there will be no dancing. I'm not, yeah, that's that's going to be the cure for it, folks. So if you're going Good to... Grief. That was curious about it. So no dancing. So I guess the, the bride and the groom can't dance. But what are they going to be doing five hours later? I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> Get Let's myself hope. in trouble. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.